0: Good morning. It's good to be with you guys here today. Um, Oh, gosh, I forgot my phone. Babe, could you run my phone up to me? (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Um, So I'm excited to jump into a new series together. This will be a short... Thanks, Caroline. Not babe, appreciate it. (laughs) Um, This will be a short mini-series that we're doing here for the next three weeks leading up to Thanksgiving, and I'm really excited about what God has for us um, in this series I, um, I heard a story recently that I thought was just fantastic. So there was this girl that went to summer camp, and um, she met a friend at summer camp. And her friend was British, and she thought that was super cool. And uh, they became fast friends, and she went uh, home uh, to spend a week with this, her new friend uh, back to like her new friend's house. And uh, when she got there, she found out her friend's parents Um, had, like, American accents, and she was super confused, and she was like, wait, how is it that you have a British accent, and your parents don't have a British accent, and she goes, well, my parents wanted a child that had a British accent so bad that for the first seven years of my life, they spoke to me with a British accent, (laughs) which I just thought was fantastic. Um, Jordan and I are, like, total Anglophiles, Um, which means we love all things England, and I'm kind of like, man, Adeline's only three. Like, (laughs) is it too late, babe? I don't know. What do you think? Um, I I saw this uh, pizza delivery request um, recently that I thought was awesome. It's for two medium pizzas, a a pepperoni and a sausage uh, for the first one, and then Canadian bacon and pineapple for the second, and then this, like, little request. Crust a little crisper than normal, but not too crispy. If that's not vague enough, make it like you're taking revenge on a cheating boyfriend, but you still want to reconcile in the not-so-distant future. (laughs) Um, You know, so we, like, while there may be some element of control that we can exercise in our lives, like if you wanted a child that had a British accent, you could totally do that to them. Um, Or if, you know, you have some degree of, you know, fine-tuning over your pizza order, we kind of delude ourselves a lot of times, right, of how much control we really have over our lives because life happens to us and circumstances confront us that we never planned for ourselves. Um, And the question sometimes becomes, or many times becomes, how do we respond to these circumstances that we don't plan for or want? 1 Thessalonians 5.18 is kind of the scripture that I want to kind of frame our time um, this morning. And it says this, it's probably familiar to many of you. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, we often feel unfulfilled in one or more areas of our lives. Maybe for you, it's your job. Maybe for some of us, it's our marriages. Maybe it's um, relationships in your life. Maybe for some of us, it's maybe just your daily routine that feels unfulfilling for different reasons. And I think sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean we feel like our life is meaningless, right? So, you know, you may actually feel like your daily routine is meaningful, but still hate your job for any number of reasons, right? You know, I think of, like, a nurse might understand that his or her work is actually meaningful, the things they're doing is meaningful, but they still hate their job for lots of different factors that could be involved in that, right? Um, And so we come to this verse, give thanks in all circumstances, Apparently, this is God's will for your life, which I don't know if that's good news to you or not. (laughs) Um, God's will for you is to be grateful all the time. (laughs) Um, So I don't know. Again, I don't know if this is like exciting or like, oh, man, this feels like a hammer I have to submit to. Um, But it is. It's the will of God for you no matter what is going on. Um, And I think sometimes the question when we see a verse like this is like, why? Right? Do you ever do that with the Bible? Like, okay, I know that's your word, God, but But why, right? Uh, Why? Why give thanks in all circumstances? Um, Because gratitude doesn't actually shift your circumstances. So why do it? And it's true. Um, Gratitude doesn't shift your circumstances. Um, And what's also true is gratefulness doesn't even necessarily make you feel better. Sometimes it does, right? And oftentimes it does. Um, But there's been plenty of times in my life where um, I've been really discouraged and I've In that place of discouragement, thanked God for my many blessings, but I don't necessarily just like become happy immediately, right? It doesn't always happen like that. And so, if gratitude doesn't necessarily have this like guaranteed therapeutic value, then why do it? Which, by the way, is such an American thing to say, right? Like, we don't do anything unless it makes us feel better. (laughs) Um, You know, I've been thinking about this question a lot. Uh, In part because this year I've been uh, thanking God each day. And the reason I've been doing that is because I started doing a prayer called the Prayer of Examine this year. And it's a five-step prayer. It's 500 years old from a Catholic mystic named Ignatius of Loyola. And the first step is become present to God. So I I do that. And I won't get into what that that looks like for me. But become present to God. Uh, Step two is review your day with gratitude. Step three is pay attention to your emotions. Step four is pick one aspect, just one, pick one aspect from the day and pray from that. And step five is look towards tomorrow. And so, like I said, each day, I typically do this uh, while I'm laying in bed. It takes me anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes, and I, it's been a part of my routine. And step two has become one of my favorites where I go back and I review my day gratefully. Um, And I do it whether I've had a good day or whether I've had a bad day. And so I'll think about, you know, maybe a conversation I had with Jordan in a meaningful moment we had. I'll think about something adorable my daughter said. I'll think about a meal that I shared with a friend. I'll think about um, a really cool moment at work here at Fullness that day. Um, I'll think about, other things like my garden and whatever happens to be blooming at the time, um, I'll think about a moment where I, like the walls came down between me and another person, and I was able to just be real and vulnerable, and they were able to be real and vulnerable with me, and it wasn't just the surfacey kind of thing. Um, I'll think about things like that, but whatever I think about varies from day to day because every day is different, and I like that. Um, and I've come to find. Um, in this practice, that Thanksgiving, at least for me, isn't primarily about helping me cope with life's challenges. Thanksgiving is about noticing beauty and goodness. Thanksgiving really should never be seen as this form of self-therapy where you try to convince yourself that your life really isn't that bad and other people have it way worse than you, so just deal with your bad life, right? And sometimes I think that's kind of how we approach Thanksgiving. It's primarily the sense of like, well, at least I don't have it that bad. Um, But Thanksgiving isn't primarily this kind of place where you're like, man, my life is miserable, but I've got it good compared to starving people around the world right? Like, Thanksgiving isn't primarily comparing your moderately bad life to other horribly bad lives, right? Thanksgiving shouldn't keep you in the realm of badness. It should direct your heart to good things, to beautiful things, right? Primarily. And that's what I've been doing each day: is saying, like, what's beautiful about my life? What's good about my life? And then expressing gratitude to God for that. Um, so, for example, I don't thank Jordan for something she does for me in order to convince myself my life isn't that bad. I thank her because I appreciate how good she is to me. How much more with God? You know, Thanksgiving really, I want to say too, it's not about ignoring the presence or the reality of hardship suffering, unfulfillment, pain, discouragement, whatever else in your life. It's not about ignoring those things. But Thanksgiving is about seeing beauty, seeing goodness, and honoring another person for their generosity, whether it be other people in your life or chiefly God in your life. It's about declaring the goodness of God in the land of the living. So to kind of recap what I've said so far, because for me, this has kind of become foundational for what I even mean by Thanksgiving. Um, Thanksgiving isn't some mind trick to help you ignore pain. That's almost like the main thing I want to say today. (laughs) It's not some mind trick to help us ignore pain. Um, At the end of the day, Thanksgiving is about recognizing beauty and goodness in your life and then expressing this gratitude to the source of that beauty and goodness in your life, whether it be other people or God. And so this year, I've kind of come to see Thanksgiving as this sort of skill, as a kind of practice. And so my question to you, to kind of launch us into the sermon today, is do you Want to become the kind of person that is skilled at noticing beauty and goodness? If so, practice gratitude. I love how the Bible, in its message of thanksgiving and gratitude, it it holds intention tension the, both the goodness of the world and the evil of the world, both the fact that this world an incredibly painful place and it's a place where there's a lot of goodness. Um, that we should be grateful for. Uh, you guys remember this scene from that iconic movie? <laughs> you mock my pain. Life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently is telling you something. <laughs> um, and that's why, you know, here at Fullness, we don't ignore, we don't try to pretend that the Christian life is somehow easy and pain-free. Because it's not, right? Take up my, your cross daily and follow me, Jesus said. Um, Isaiah referred to Jesus as a man of sorrows, the kind of person who was acquainted with grief. And I think that's actually pretty instructive to us, that we think of Jesus that way. Um, that Jesus, it's not like Jesus only had two sad moments in his entire life, at the cross and at Lazarus's tomb where he wept, right? Jesus was the kind of person who didn't suppress the emotion of sadness, he, he dealt with sorrow in his own heart. He dealt with grief. He was acquainted with it, apparently. Jesus, and that's not to say that Jesus was an unhappy person, because I certainly don't believe that. But it's also not to say sadness was this totally like, foreign feeling or emotion to Jesus. He dealt with it. He, he acknowledged the presence of it in his own heart at times. Um, and at the same time, I want to say this, that as Christians... Um, the message to, uh, when we say that we're to be grateful or thankful in all circumstances, that doesn't mean that we're grateful for all circumstances, right? So, and I think this is actually pretty important. Um, Being grateful in all circumstances is not the same thing. It's not meant to suggest that we should be grateful for all circumstances. So, I mean, if life punches you square in the face, God's not expecting you to look up at him and say, please, sir, can you hit me again? Like, thank you for that. You know, like, that's not, that's not how God wants us to think about pain. Um, we're not to be grateful for every circumstance. And I think that's important uh, that as we think about gratitude, that we're not like some kind of, like, masochistic people or something in our understanding of pain and gratitude. Um, because a lot of the time, Uh, the people of God in the Bible are thanking God for sparing them from pain, sparing them from tragedy. I think of Psalm 107, for example. When they cried to the Lord in their trouble, he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. And so what do they do? Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving, and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. It's absolutely appropriate to say, thank you, God, for making my life less painful. <laughs> Don't feel like you are outside the Bible on that one. If, you're, if God has made your life less painful, thank him for that. Um, and that's, I think, totally important for us. Because life in this world will involve pain. Uh, the way of Christ will involve pain. We're not to be grateful for pain. Although we can, of course, be grateful for beauty and goodness that God redeems from our pain. But here's the truth. All you have is today, right? All you have is today. You don't have tomorrow. Yesterday has left its marks on you and on me. But you no longer have yesterday. All you have is today. Whether it be bright or dark in your life right now. And I don't know. Maybe For some of us, life is great. Maybe for some of us in this room, life is not great. But all you have is today. And it's here that the question still stands, I think. Do you want to be the kind of person that is skilled at noticing beauty and goodness? If so, practice gratitude. I've been thinking recently about... um, not just celebrating goodness and beauty in my life that's currently in my life, but also also saying to the Lord, thank you, Lord, that I got to see beauty and goodness in that time, in that season. So uh, Jordan and I have some friends, some really dear friends of ours who we've been close to for over a decade that are moving, they're leaving Alabama, and it's been really sad for us. And I've been in this place both of like, acknowledging my sadness, but also like thanking the Lord that I got to see the goodness. And, and not almost wishing like, oh, it, the pain's too hard, I wish we'd never even known them, or something like that. But actually just saying like, Lord, th- I got to see such goodness. Like that relationship was so good. Thank you for letting me see that goodness and that beauty. And I think that's a component to gratitude too. Um, I think sometimes... We can almost forget that there's joy in celebrating things you no longer have, but were really beautiful, and you got to see something beautiful. Does that make sense? Um, so it's not always just about what beauty and goodness is currently in my life. There's something profound and very biblical about being like, God, you did something really good then, in that season, in the history of the people of God, or in my life, and. I'm so glad I got to be a witness to that, whatever it may be. Let me put our scripture back up again. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Four years ago, I was an associate pastor at another church here in town, and I preached the Sunday after um, Donald Trump's 2016 victory over Hillary Clinton. And in my sermon... Uh, Four years ago, I said this. I want to read it to you. We've been in such a toxic political environment lately in regards to this election, whether from mass media or social media or personal conversation. There has been significant damage done to friendship, family relations, and even marriages. Many of us need to detox our brains of the negativity and the offensive banter. And I feel like like this is as true today as it was four years ago. Um, Maybe maybe more so. Oh, I did put that quote up there, but we'll move on from that. Um, I feel like this is just as true now as it was four years ago. Dr. Carolyn Leaf um, is a neuroscientist, and she talks about this concept of neuroplasticity um, which means that your brain and my brain is malleable and adaptable and changing moment by moment every single day of your lives so that the thoughts that you feed on actually shape the landscape of your brain and they form new pathways in your brain which um, influence and oftentimes dictate your responses in certain situations when certain topics or concepts come up. The pathways that are formed around those ideas in your mind react and trigger and, in many ways makes you the kind of person you are, um, how you respond to ideas and those form in your brain. And what's interesting is research is showing that negative toxic thinking has um, very negative effects on the health of your brain. which shouldn't be terribly surprising, (laughs) right? Um, Whereas uh, positive thinking actually has um, positive effects on the health of your brain. (laughs) Also not terribly surprising. Um, the point is this, is we're actually wired for love. What a thought. Um, which shouldn't be terribly surprising again, because we're made in the image of a loving God. Um, so that's the good news. ready for the bad news? Uh, neuroscientists can prove now that fearful, hateful, uh, toxic thinking, negative thinking, Um. That is like Velcro in your brain, uh, those thoughts are. Your neurons just latch onto these and they quickly solidify as new neural pathways in your brain. It's like our brain kind of feasts on negative, hateful, fearful thoughts. Um, and those quickly solidify in your brain. Whereas um, positive, grateful, loving thinking is like Teflon, that is, it slides right off which is unfortunate, unless unless you savor it for at least 15 seconds. And then if you do, those solidify as strong neural connections within your brain. You have to taste it, to sit with it, savor it. And then when you do, it imprints much stronger, when it's positive, grateful, loving thinking. It's interesting to me because God literally designed our brains to function best when we do Philippians 4.8. When we think on whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You know... The question of this election was never, are we going to live in Biden's America or Trump's America? Regardless of what happens on Tuesday, our destiny was always to live in God's America. As Pastor Bart has been reminding us for weeks in the God and Country series that was so excellent, it is God who sets up kings and deposes them. Now, this isn't to say, I want to be clear, this isn't to say that Um, your vote doesn't matter. It's not to say that our leaders don't have the ability to dramatically alter your lives for better or for worse because they certainly can and do. It's not to say that, but it is to say that God is good for better or for worse. And if that is true, then circumstances don't rob us of gratitude nor his reign. So after Tuesday or whenever the election results are finally determined, <laughs> um, whatever th- whenever that may be, whatever your feelings about the outcome may be, there will still be truth to savor. There will still be honorable things to consider. There will still be justice to celebrate. There will still be noble things to think upon. There will still be lovely things worthy of your thought life there'll still be excellent, commendable, praiseworthy things for you to consider, think upon, and be grateful for. And this is the good news of whatever happens after Tuesday. And I want to say this, you know, this brings me to this question of like, well, are there times when gratefulness is harder and easier? Maybe so. You know, it's interesting. I had a friend uh, ask me recently over lunch because um, I'd mentioned I'm doing this thing called the Prayer of Examine this year, and it's been really powerful in my life. And, and he was like, that's cool. Like, do you ever, um, have, do you ever not want to thank God? Um, and I thought about it for a second, and I actually, I said, not really, actually. And my response even kind of surprised me, um, because, like, I'm not a very spiritual person. <laughs> so we can go rule that out. Um, that wasn't the reason I said that, but... I kind of stopped back and, and thought about it, like even on my bad days, like there's something so enjoyable about it. And I think it's because God made your brain and my brain and our hearts to relish beauty and goodness. And it's actually what we're designed to do, um, even in darkness, even in even in terrible times, or even on bad days. Um, you know, I'm not saying that, this, I'm not saying that like, if tragedy struck my life or my family's life, that it would still just be super easy to be grateful or thankful. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, certainly life has its way of presenting us with circumstances where gratitude feels like the furthest thing from our, our mind. I, I, I know that. Um, you know, this place where like, the pain is, is so loud. It's so much louder than whatever pleasures remain. And it just feels like everything that you once held dear is just broken on the floor. Maybe a relationship feels unreconcilable or an addiction is running your life or you just are so discouraged and you can't get out of that headspace. And gratitude is so hard. And I know there's that place. Um, But even if you're in the valley of the shadow of death, God is with you. And if that is true, then you still have reason to be grateful. And maybe it's in those moments that thankfulness is the most meaningful. I don't know. Maybe those are the moments of gratitude that really touch the heart of God. Colossians um, 3.17 says this. And whatever you do... In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I love that verse. I read a um, commentator one time named Peter O'Brien talk about how, I thought this was fascinating, that the Apostle Paul mentions the subject of uh, thanksgiving more than any other ancient Greek-speaking writer we have on record. Um, Forty-six times in his letters he mentions the word uh, thanks or Thanksgiving, more than anyone we have on record in the Greek-speaking world, and we have lots of literature from that time. Um, and in verse uh, in Colossians three fifteen, Paul says, "Be thankful." And the, the literal translation of Paul's "Be thankful" in uh, Colossians three fifteen is "Become thankful." And I think that Paul's "Become thankful" of Colossians three fifteen is an invitation. It's an invitation to learn to see the world in your own life differently than the rest of humanity does. Um, Because while the world oftentimes lives either in a poverty mindset on the one hand or a consumer mindset on the other hand, the life of the believer is to be shaped around the principles of grace and then gratitude. There's uh, the Akua people, of South America had this really weird cultural value in that they saw treachery as a virtue. So um, if you were able to kind of gain the trust of someone and then stab them in the back, that was like this really praiseworthy skill in that culture. And so not surprisingly, when Western missionaries came to the Akua people and shared the message of the gospel with them, um, they heard the gospel story and they concluded that Judas, not Jesus, was the hero of the story. Um, Now, that's, of course, rare. I mean, when the gospel is presented to peoples in the earth, most peoples intuitively understand that Jesus is supposed to be the hero. Um, And, you know, even in our society today, most people um, don't see treachery as a virtue. Unless, of course, you're a politician. Um, Or maybe a pastor, you know, (laughs) as some would say. That should be fair. Um, But my point is this. The Christian life is to be a journey in which we learn to see the world radically different. As we learn to see our life as one that has been reshaped, remade around these principles of grace and love. And that Thanksgiving really is an acknowledgement that the people of God are in fact a blessed people right? Like, do you see yourselves that way? That's who you are. You are a blessed people, not a, a, a quasi-fortunate people, uh, <laughs> whatever kind of like way we want to demote that. You're a blessed people. That's exactly who you are. And, and, and seeing that as your identity, um, that's who you are. You're just the blessed. You're very, very, very blessed. That, that, that is, and That's the journey of a Christian is relearning that this is the world I live in. This is my experience in the world. Um, I think that for the Christian, thanksgiving is fundamentally an act of faith, right? Because if I, you know, or Scott or, or Kathy or Bart or someone comes up after worship and transitions us and says something like, thank you, God, for your presence with us here today. Like, that's an act of faith. That's declaring, like, like, God was here. It wasn't just like emotions or tingles or like a really great chorus. Or and someone rifted really awesome and I felt something. Like, God was here. Like, the, the almighty God was here. It's a declaration of faith. If you say, God, thank you for getting me through my work week, you're confessing that God got you through. <laughs> it wasn't just your human ability and know-how. Um, if, you, if you thank God for your food and you really mean it, you're declaring that it's God who provides and not just simply your work ethic, right? That Thanksgiving is a declaration of faith. It's a declaration that basically God is active in my life, right? And that's why I think that Thanksgiving is so important because it, it, it's this tether to a life that is infused with God, Right? that I'm not just doing my thing. Right? Um, God is in my life. I love this verse, Psalm 75, verse 1. We give thanks to you, O God, we give thanks, for your name is near. I love that. This, con- this confession of, like, gratitude with this profession of faith. God's here. God's name is here. And then what he's done is, like, on our tongue. We recount your wondrous works. Um, Thanksgiving, again, is this declaration that God's active in my life. I'm someone who goes through the world, goes through life with God in it. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) Um, And I think to be a little bit like, um, not harsh, but like real, um, the life that has little thanksgiving is a life that has not drunk deep of the gospel. And I don't say that to shame us. I say that as a, let's, let's ask, where are we? You know, I, I've, I've done that at times. And in and, and part, I'll just say, just by making it a rhythm in my day, it's been really helpful because my, I may not be naturally grateful all the time. Um, but it reminds us that ultimately, God is the giver, and I and the thanksgiver. I love this verse again from uh, Colossians 2 Corinthians uh, 4.15. Paul to the Corinthians says, It's all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Um, I love these moments when you see like the things that motivates Paul. And Paul's basically saying, look, I want the grace of God and the gospel to reach more and more people— so that the level of thanksgiving in the earth increases. It's, it's almost like Paul is saying, I'm not content. There's, like, there's a thanksgiving deficit in the earth, but as more and more of the grace of God reaches people, the, the thanksgiving level will increase and this will bring more glory to God. I mean, what a powerful motivation for sharing the gospel, for sharing the grace of God with unbelievers and believers, that the... the the thanksgiving quota, <laughs> the water level of thanksgiving would rise in the earth. That, I mean, isn't that a powerful apostolic motivation? That's what, that was what was in Paul's heart. I want God to get more grateful hearts in the world <laughs> because that gives him glory. That gives him glory. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's our testimony. That's who we are. It's not who we're trying to be. Something we're working towards. It's called your identity. You're the one who gets chased by goodness your whole life. So gratitude is just the response of a life marked by grace. Our cup runs over. We're going to take the Lord's Supper this morning. Um, As you probably know, the Lord's Supper has been called the Eucharist uh, for the life of the church, um, which means what? What does Eucharist mean? It means Thanksgiving. um, As Jesus took the cup and gave thanks at the Last Supper. Um, There's this story I heard one time uh, from a church, um, and the pastor named Jonathan um, Jonathan Martin. He uh, they gave a call to the table, and uh, this pastor noticed that there was someone on on one of the f- uh, first few rows that didn't come, and the Holy Spirit just like zeroed in on this this guy, this young man, and and he he went to this guy and he said, Hey, come on. Come with me. Let's go, let's go receive the body and blood of Christ together. And, and this guy just said, I, I can't do that. I can't go up there. And he said, no, no, come. Let's go together, you and me. Let's receive. And he said, no, I can't do that. And so he just had this like, overwhelming sense of, like, well, if you're not going to go, I'm not going to go. So he, he said that to him. He goes, okay, well, if you're not going to go, I'm not going to go without you. So he just sits down next to this guy. And then he's sitting there and he just begins praying. And he says, Lord, uh, over this guy he's next to, Lord, I just ask that somehow you would bring the sacraments to us. And as soon as he said that, the two of them look up and one of the deacons of the church has brought the sacraments to them and is stretching it out towards them. And this guy just breaks down under the presence of God. And I love that because we come to the table and there's other times that Jesus prepares the table for us out there among enemies. That his goodness chases you down so that whether you come or not, he's calling that gratitude. He's calling that out of us. That's who he is. Let me invite you to the table, This is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. So come, all of you who have faith in Christ and join his people in this remembrance of Jesus. Come, you who feel far from God and you who feel near. Come, you who feel clean and you who feel dirty. Come, you that have been broken and you who have been healed. Come, you who have been here often and you who have not been here very many times. Come black, come white, come women, come men, come children who know our Savior. For the sinless life that you should have lived has been lived for you by Christ. And the guilty death that you should have died has been died for you by Christ. We bring nothing to this table except faith. So come with empty hands and receive the body and blood of Christ given for you. We'll have these center sections come to this table. This section to this one, this one over here. Come receive.
1: Stand up with me, if you would. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, he said, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and Gabriel's already pointed this out, he gave thanks. Before he tells his followers that this bread is a broken body and this blood is, this cup is my blood, facing the cross before the resurrection, Jesus gave thanks. How can we do any less on this side of the cross and this side of the resurrection? Walking in grace and love and life. No matter what else we face today, and many of us are facing stuff, we give thanks. Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. After supper, he took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink. Before we depart from this place this morning, let's just confess together in song that indeed the Lord is our shepherd guides. He prepares. Surely in goodness will follow us all the days of our lives. Let's sing this together.
2: The Lord is my shepherd. me a son sure. Peace. Your Spirit lives within me My victory, my victory Your Spirit lives within me So I will walk in your peace Your Spirit
1: prayer teams that'll be there trying to be socially distant, but praying for you. So if you need prayer before you leave, down you'll see a tent on your left. Remember, Tuesday is a day to vote. I will not tell you how to vote, except there's one amendment. It's amendment number four, and it is an amendment to rewrite or reword parts of the Alabama Constitution to remove racist language from that ancient document, which should never have been put in there, but it gives the, I'll tell you, vote for that one um, so that our state can rewrite that, the Constitution, at least in this area. Otherwise, pray, seek after God, how he leads you and directs you. We'll pray for his will to be done here on earth.